0: going to keep the matter in our heart, we're going to talk about it. Today, we're going to talk about philosophy and vain deceit. In fact, I'll read the verse right now. This is Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Folks, have you ever? wondered why it seems sometimes that the church is oblivious to what is actually going on in the world, and there's a disconnect between what the church focuses on and what the church is actually facing. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, um, there is a verse that Aaron Dodson and myself We, he reads every, at the start of every Christianity Now episode, and it's about the sons of Issachar having understanding of the times to know how Israel ought to go. David was needing advice. He was needing help from all of Israel and the 12 tribes sent people to him. And each of the 12 tribes that sent people were recorded and they, it was recorded how they could help. And the sons of Issachar had understanding of the times. We need to have this understanding of the times. There was something going on in Colossae. It's referred to in history as the Colossian heresy. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today. And we're going to talk a little bit about philosophy and vain deceit. Joshua Donnelly and Brandon Dresner, good to see you. I'm glad that you're here. Hope you share the podcast or share the live stream. Incidentally, before we get into the meat of our podcast, I would invite you, to be the algorithm for us. If you're listening to this after the fact or after it's already uploaded to Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or TuneIn Radio or some other podcasting platform, would you share that podcast? Would you give us a five-star rating? Would you give us a thumbs up? And would you comment if you're able to comment on that particular platform? Not all platforms you can comment on. All of that activity helps the algorithm pick our content up and put it in front of people who share similar interests as yourself. Now there is also a way that you can help that's not just sending money, and I'm going to put a link in the um, in the comment section right now, and you can go to an you can go to etsy.com uh, through this link, and you can purchase a shirt that I designed. Several years ago I had a, a a project called Jesus Loves Me, This I Know. It was a Facebook page along with a Facebook group, and it was just messing around to see, you know, what, what I could do with Facebook and this, that, and the other. And I actually paid a designer to design this logo. And I've always thought it would be look really cool on a t-shirt. Well, there's a way that I can do drop shipping. I don't have to purchase any t-shirts up front. Uh, you go to Etsy and you purchase a t-shirt and Etsy communicates with Printify, which is where I got the shirt designed, and they will dropship you a shirt or shirt. Now this shirt should be pretty good quality. When you go to the Etsy.com, it is in Canada, so you have, you might have to do the conversion on the price, but I think it's like $25 for a person of average size. and I think by the time you get to 3xL, the price is a little bit more expensive, but I, I get about 40% of that. So if you uh, if you want to buy a T-shirt, I think it's really cool. It's got Jesus Loves Me This I Know above the uh, left breast, and it's got a bigger Jesus Loves Me This I Know on the back of it. I think it looks pretty cool. And I am also have some other designs in the work, designs that I'm going to come up with myself if you are a designer and you have that talent and you say hey Tony here's a here's a design that you can use on your shirt it's my way of helping you with your podcast that would be great too and uh, we could we could put our heads together and design a t-shirt all right I'm done with that uh, near churches uh, patreon.com forward slash near churches is a way that you can support me uh, it's as little as a dollar a month and and I'm thankful to my patrons and the patrons that we've picked up in the last few months, uh, you really helped me get the word out, and you helped me get um, more volume in my listening base and stuff like that. Now, philosophy and vain deceit. There is um, a PDF. It's letters for today, Colossians chapter 2. And I want to talk about the Colossian heresy. The so-called Colossian heresy was a synchronistic combination of several religious systems. In other words, they, several religion, religious systems were uh, prevalent in Colossae, and they had kind of been melded together. They were, they were in sync with one another. And the teaching included elements of Jewish legalism, Oriental mysticism, and Greek asceticism. Although the heresy claimed to be teaching Christ, what it actually taught was that Christ alone was not enough. Instead, it claimed that what they needed was Christ plus. Folks, I have said from the pulpit on several occasions, my absolute favorite book of the Bible is Ephesians. The book of the Bible that influenced my Christian walk the most is the book of Romans. However, if I had the ability to teach a Christian one book of the Bible in its entirety to make them have a perfect understanding of it, a complete, I should say, perfect's a bad word, a complete understanding of it and the thrust of what the writer was trying to get across to the readers, it would be the book of Colossians, and it's because Paul deals with a very contemporary issue facing the Lord's church of the day, philosophy and vain deceit, the wisdom of man. The Colossian heresy is the seed from which the tree of uh, Gnosticism grew. So Gnostic doctrine, the knowing ones, knowledge, Gnostic to know, It implies that there's this special kind of knowledge that can only be attained through enlightenment, various stages of enlightenment. And to really boil it down in a very reductive manner, a terrible oversimplification, is that the Gnostic doctrine teaches that you start out as a man and all material is inherently evil. Everything that is metaphysical is inherently good. And the the physical and the metaphysical cannot occupy the same space, which is kind of weird because physical occupies space, metaphysical doesn't occupy space, but they are intrinsically opposed to one another. And you have to diminish the physical in order to um, in, in order to uh, bring about or raise or heighten the metaphysical, the spiritual is another way of putting that, and. You can transcend your current state of being all the way to the point where you can become as God. In fact, uh, the book of Mormon, the Mormon church has this kind of teaching in it. Uh, it, It's it's old. The the book of Ecclesiastes, the, the preacher says that there is nothing new under the sun. There is nothing of which it can be said, look, see here, this is new. Gnosticism is one of those things, but here in the book of Colossians, we see Paul dealing with the seed from which Gnosticism grew, all right? So you had this, this synchronistic, uh, syn- synchronistic combination of Jewish legalism, Oriental mysticism, and Greek asceticism. Now, after Paul concludes his discussion of Christ's preeminence in chapter 1, he provides an overview of his own ministry since he had no previous contact with the colossians and uh anyway he he talks about his target audience in chapter 1 verse 27 he talks about uh Christ in you is the hope of glory in verse 27 he includes a warning and he he includes a warning and teaching in verse 28 and his aim is to present every person complete in Christ. He gives you his aim in verse 28 as well. And his con- his concern for the Colossians is that he's never met them in person, and he rejoices in the stability and steadfastness of their faith in, in light of the Colossian heresy, in light of forces in the world, in Colossae specifically, that is trying to destabilize them that is trying to uh, uproot their faith. Now, he worries that they might be deluded with persuasive arguments. So he's he's acknowledging the fact that the church at Colossae is engaged in a battle. And he wants to encourage them, verse 2 of chapter 2, and to help them arrive at a true knowledge of Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In fact, let's read verse 3. In whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Uh, Paul, I'm just going to read from 1 to 3. For I would that you knew what I, what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. We know the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ is is outlined or written down in chapter three or what we call chapter three of the book of Ephesians, that the Jews and the Gentiles will be reconciled in one body to Christ, to God through Christ. This is the path to enlightenment, folks. The Christian's path, what well, man's only real path to enlightenment is Christ. It's through Jesus. I am the way, the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father by me. Belief in God is the beginning of wisdom. Knowledge of God is the beginning of wisdom. We, we have to have a, an understanding and a knowledge of God. And there are a few pre- prerequisites in our minds, to have that knowledge and understanding we've got to be stable we've got to be firm we got to have values above ourselves we got to have an awareness of of the of, of existential reality outside of our own sphere of influence and we have to be grateful all right now Paul wants the Colossians to know that it is not enough to simply understand the completeness of Christ. They must understand that, one, they are also complete in Christ, and two, they must appropriate his completeness in their own lives. His instructions includes three aspects—the principle, the problem, and God's provision for his people—through christ His bottom line is that in Christ, they already possess everything they need to live for God. Well, what the world is telling them, what the world was telling them at the time, you need more. It takes more. You can't get there with Christ alone. Well, rather than listening to the false teachers who had infiltrated their congregation, the Colossians should continue walking by faith in Christ as they had been taught. Notice chapter 2, verse 6. Their walk should be characterized by a firm foundation, continuing growth, and stability, and gratitude. So these four things. Our, Our Christian walk should be characterized by these same four things. A firm foundation, continuing growth, stability, and gratitude. Now, let me put forth something to you about the 21st century and this this cultural Marxism, this culture of wokeness that the church is facing. This is just old philosophy repackaged, okay? This is old Greek asceticism and Oriental mysticism combined with a little Jewish legalism repackaged. You best believe that the culture of wokism that is prevalent in Western culture today, Canada and the United States, is just repackaged Gnosticism. It's repackaged the it's, it's a repackaged, rebranded Colossian heresy. What wokeism wants to do one, it wants to uproot the individual. It wants to stop the continuing growth. In other words, you can't be built up. You can't grow. You can't, um, you can't better yourself. It wants to destabilize societal norms that have been our norms for over a thousand years, for multiplied thousands of years. And it wants to take away the gratitude that you should show. Because to whom should you be grateful? If, if there's no foundation, if there's no reason to grow, if there's no stability, then there's nothing for which to be thankful. I think about an old, old movie. It's black and white, and it's grainy black and white. And this mother passed away, and her dying wish was that the father still uh, teach their boys about Jesus and Christianity, and the father prays at the dinner table, and he prays something to this effect: "Dear Lord, we uh, broke, we cleared this ground. We broke this land. We planted the fields. We t- we tilled. We planted. We tended. We harvested. We prepared. We cooked, and we plated. For whatever part you for, for whatever part you played in our bounty." we are eternally grateful. So for whatever part you played in it, we're eternally grateful. This is what cultural Marxism that we're facing today wants you to believe. You are nothing you can do. You're totally dependent upon others. You can't do anything by yourself. Uh, Everything is against you. There's only um, there's only Uh, The only virtue is being oppressed and if your lot in life is you're oppressed that you can't do anything about it, the only thing you can do is oppress somebody else. You You can tear down the power structures that exist. You cannot see the power structures that exist and notice the things that are good and work on the things that are bad because you have no power. So, Let's listen to the problem summarized. The Colossians were dealing with individuals who wanted to take them captive by trying to add to everything they already possessed in Christ. In other words, this this world today, the world of wokeism, the world of cultural marxism, they want to tell the church that look, you you need more. You can't function in this world by going to Christ. You have to do something different. You have to do something more. Nowhere in Scripture will you find the concept of social justice. Nowhere will you find this concept of oppression being a virtue. Nowhere in, this, in, the, in the Scriptures will you find this concept of hating the ruling class, of hating the people that are in power. The Bible rather deals with it like this. There are things that just are, that are beyond your control. You are responsible as an individual to live your best possible life and to do well and to follow the rules of society, the societal propriety that is built into the fabric of reality. It's not always fair. All who will live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Why is that? Well, sometimes it's because people will, actively persecute you for being a Christian, sometimes it's just because the world will chew you up and spit you out because reality is not conducive to Christian values. Reality always devolves into hedonism without the interjection of the divine logos, the divine order. Order, you, you, we always go from order to chaos. So when you remove the divine order, it always devolves into hedonism. So my point is this. The world says Christianity isn't enough. Judeo-Christian values won't cut it. Judeo-Christian values says, "Look, go all the way back to God's social contract. If you do well, will it not be accepted of you? And if you do not well, then sin lies at the door." So, what if you're a Jew living in Poland in 1937? It still applies. There's institutional and um, systemic oppression, but yet you will have a better existence if you do well, if you don't accept the fact that you are an unwilling participant in this game of life. Do what the Bible says. Live a life defined by, I I love the way this, this author put this, Live a life defined by a firm foundation, continual growth, stability, and gratitude. Because if you are being told, if you buy into this delusion that the powers that be are set against you, that there's a hierarchy, an institution that's set against you, and there's nothing you can do about it. Now, I'm not saying there's not an institution set against you. I'm not saying that there's systemic evils that are set against you, but there may well be. But how do you respond to them? Well, continual growth, firm foundation, stability, and gratitude. And I know what you're thinking. Well, Tony, what about the slaves in the United States? Do do you realize that as terrible as that system was? And this is a hot take. This is a take that that many people don't like me saying. I've lost friends, and I have been persecuted for this. Even in the United States during slavery, the slaves who followed Judeo-Christian values, who married, who bore children, who worked, who considered themselves to be working for God instead of their slave owners, they had a better time of it. They had a better existence than slaves who didn't. Now, they didn't have a better existence than, say, the, their, their white counterparts because, again, the system was rigged, okay? But that doesn't change the fact that if you do well, it will be accepted of you, and if you do not well, then sin lieth at the door. You will have a better life if you follow Judeo-Christian values. All right? Now, so the Colossians were dealing with these people who wanted to take them captive by trying to add to to everything they already possessed. Now, here's here's the three strategies that these people employed in Colossae, and they employ it today. All right? philosophy. One aspect of Greek philosophy taught that anything material was evil. Individuals, therefore, should use ascetic practices to subdue the body to become more spiritual. In other words, you've seen in movie. I, I remember the, um, well, the Tom Hanks movie, the Da Vinci Code. I believe it was the Da Vinci Code that had the, um, the, the monk in it, and you, find, you there was a scene, it was a big reveal, the monk had a, a whip, and he would he would kneel and he would pray, and as he was praying, he would beat himself with the whip to the point where he bled. I mean, it wasn't just like a, a love tap. I mean, he would really hit himself. Well, that, that comes from this, this Greek philosophy, and what, what that monk is trying to do is trying to subdue the, the, the material in order to bring about an enlightened state of the spiritual. And, of course, Paul deals with that in, in, the, in the book of Colossians. Well, this new world order, and this is what the church is facing, you will own nothing and you will be happy. You're not going to have any material possessions. The only thing that matters is the social group. We're going to have all things in common. And I'm not talking about all things in common, like they had in Acts chapter two, the the, the the voluntary means, I'm talking about they had all. Th- you're going to have all things in common. As in, you're not going to have any land. You're not going to have a house. You're not going to. I mean, even you know, think about most people with their electronic devices. Even nowadays, you don't own your electronic devices. You rent them. You will own nothing, and you will be happy, and and that's that's where we're going to, because the material is inherently evil. And this cultural Marxism has this uh, tenet that if you've got two people in a room and one man has $100 and one man has $50, that the man having $100 is immoral and is oppressive to the man that only has 50 Tradition is the second. The Ju- Judaism taught that following tradition and ritual was essential Essential in living for God. Now there is a sense in which that is true, and I would dare say that the person that wrote this, that compiled this, although they did a very very good job, did it from a paradigm of a faith-only type of salvation. Tradition uh, and ritual is essential for uh, the liturgy, the the liturgy, the liturgical service of the Lord's Church. But what? What Paul was talking about here, and probably what this guy is, is is referring to, is you know we have these rites, we have these washings, and whenever whenever something goes from uh, worship to legalism, like for instance baptism, wh- I I'm, I think we focus too much on baptism and not enough on grace. But that doesn't mean that I negate the necessity of baptism. You see, it goes to, to from, from legalism or it goes from uh, doing things right to legalism whenever we focus on the thing more than the thing represents. So we focus more on baptism. And, and I've heard a lot of people say, well, as long as a person was baptized for the remission of sins, they were baptized in a right way. And my response is well, you know how many denominations baptize for the remission of sins? I know one denomination that is not, it is not the church. They are a false church. But they baptize into Christ to be added to the one true church that was founded on the day of Pentecost. And at that point, your sins are remitted. You're delivered out of the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of God's dear Son. That's exactly what the Bible teaches. They teach rightly on baptism. But they get everything else wrong. Well, when my brethren say, well, in order to be baptized rightly, all you have to do is be baptized for the remission of your sins. I'm like, that's not what the Bible teaches. You see, when you do that, you're focusing more on the thing than what the thing represents. So in this way, Jewish tradition taught, or the Judaism taught that following tradition and ritual was essential, but it's just tradition and and ritual for traditions and rituals' sake. All right. Now, the elementary principles of the world. Oh, this is a big one. One aspect of Asiatic-Asian-Oriental mysticism taught that personal spiritual beings inhabited and controlled the elements of the universe. Humans needed special visions and experiences to understand and worship those beings. The church, I think, is largely ignorant to this, but the use of psychedelics amongst our social elites, our aristocracy, is on the rise. Why? because of this Asiatic mysticism. They want to get in touch with the spirit of the world, Mother Nature, Father Time. That's that's the two big ones. They talk about karma. There's this book that that was published called The Secret, and basically you pray to the universe for what you want. You manifest your reality by meditation. Well, that's the elementary principles of the world. And the more enlightened you are, the more skill and effective, the more skill you possess and the more effective you are at manifesting your reality through meditation. So folks, the church is facing today exactly what the church in Colossae was facing 2,000 years ago. It's just repackaged. They take away the free will and power from the individual. You cannot be grateful. You cannot be rooted in a, in a firm foundation. You cannot build yourself up and be built up, and you can't be stable. Through Christ. You need Christ and something else. You need Christ and social justice. You need Christ and political correctness. You need Christ and the virtue of oppression. And I just don't think many of my brethren can wrap their mind around this. They cannot recognize it when they see it. And I don't normally promote ecumenical spiritual leaders, but one of the greatest one of the greatest resources to learn about this is Vody Balkum. Vodi Balkum writes about this and lectures about this. In, 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 in t- intentionally, that's not the right word. He lectures about it a lot. Very interesting to, to hear him talk about this. He has done a lot of study. Incidentally, he holds two PhDs, and so perverted is our Western culture that one of the PhDs that he holds, he went outside of the United States to get because this church of wokeism is so prevalent, and it, and, and wokeism has infiltrated ecumenical Christianity in, in a sense that True Christianity is a part of from a societal standpoint. He did not want to be accused of only being able to get his PhD because of affirmative action. So he went outside of the United States to get his PhD. I believe he got one of his PhDs from the Oxford University, the prestigious Oxford University in England. Anyway. Um, this is, this is amazing. I really like this little PDF. Um, but it really got me to thinking about this, uh, philosophy in vain, philosophy in vain deceit. Do not let yourself be spoiled through philosophy and vain deceit. Good afternoon, Missy Malone. So good to see you. And Brandon Dressner says he shared the live stream thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Um, anyway, I've been talking about 30 minutes now. I, I don't, I hope I've said something. I, th- the sad thing is I don't know what the solution is except just shining a light on it. The problem is whenever people like me shine a light on it, they get shut down. Um, we've, uh, Aaron Dawson and I have talked about this before time and time again, and. Just about every time we talk about this, the fangs on my brethren come out and we get called names, bigoted names. But that's what the Bible said would happen. You know, talking about the things that the church is facing like abortion and um, theft, uh, making people who are not willing to work, or making people who are working, pay for people who are not willing to work through a, through a, an allocation or a misallocation, in my opinion, of taxes. Well, we're we're called. I was called a Trumpian one day, and I had never said the first thing about Donald Trump. And my reply, I actually I challenged the person. I said, "You're the 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 Bible says it's a sin to bear false witness." and you've accused me of something, and I have not said the first thing about Donald Trump, and if you think that the problems that are in America is because of Donald Trump, then you think America started in 2016. This is something that predates Donald Trump, I promise you. But the problem is this has infiltrated the church, and we're largely ignorant to it. The only way, I repeat, the only way for us to combat this is to shine a light on it. In fact, let's go to the book of Ephesians, chapter 5. Let no man, starting in verse 6, let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. Don't be, don't be taken captive by philosophy and vain deceit. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are you light. Walk therefore as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all godliness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Do you understand that the unfruitful works of darkness is not just a man who has three wives? Do you understand the unfruitful works of darkness is not just a drunk? Do you understand the unfruitful works of darkness is not just a false teacher? The unfruitful works of darkness is cultural Marxism. The unfruitful works of darkness is a society that says, if you don't acknowledge how I identify, you are an immoral person. We have to reprove the unfruitful works of darkness. We can have no fellowship in that whatsoever. The unfruitful works of darkness is social justice. The unfruitful works of darkness is judging a person harshly by his societal identifier. In other words, Judging a white man to be oppressive to black men because he's white is just as evil as judging a black man to be of lower moral character because he's black. The church must have no fellowship with that whatsoever. But yet it's creeped into the church. Verse 12, it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret, but all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. So the idea is shine the light of Jesus on it. Does this hold up to scrutiny? And this is is unpopular, but let's talk about the, the racial tension in the United States today. Is there a place in the United States where a black man is oppressed? I don't know. Maybe. What's that mean? Does that mean that a black man can't can't succeed in the United States? That a black man can't live a life of godliness in Christ Jesus and be successful and provide for a family, be the husband of one wife and be a father for his children? Let, let's, let's say that America is systemically racist. Let's say that society does actively work to keep black men down. Why is it that before, now this is, this is going to be hard to hear, why is it before civil rights laws were codified in our, in our legal system, was black men doing better. The black family was intact. And in fact, the black man was doing better or was on the way to be doing better than the white man. Now, I am using, now listen to me, I am using accommodative language. I'm using the language that the world would use, all right? But my point is this, even if it is the case that America is systemically racist. What's the answer? How do you, if, if you are of a race that you, the system you are in is oppressing, what's the answer? How do you rise above that? It's certainly not through philosophy and vain deceit. It's certainly not through wokeism and social justice. It's through the tenets of the Bible. It's through the tenets of Christianity. So what do you do? Well, you, you work a job not to please your boss, but as if you're pleasing God. You you are the husband of one wife. You take care of your wife and children. I, I don't understand the, the the issue here. This is what churches need to preach. This is what preachers need to preach from the pulpit. Somebody comes up to me and says, well, I'm oppressed and the world's kept me down. You know what my response is? So what? What's What's your attitude? What's your response? How do you rise above it? I don't immediately deny the oppression. So what? Well, go read the Bible and figure out how God wants you to act in this world. And act that way, and you'll be better for it. Anyway, that's, that's, that's how you stop being uh, taken captive by philosophy and vain deceit. Let's see the comment section we have here. Um, it is sad that the wokeness has influenced preachers to be silent on issues that need to be preached. Absolutely. And Mark McCroy gave me an amen. And Brandon Dreschner again says, Congregation seems to fear, or excuse me, congregations seem to fear taking a stand for fear of division or members physically leaving. Absolutely. And man, let me tell you something. A few years ago, I put a meme out online, a hot take of mine. If you leverage your attendance at a congregation in order to get what you want, by you're already gone. There is no way that I would ever give in if I was an eldership, if I were part of an eldership, and the eldership and, and, and members come to the eldership and said, look, if you don't do X, then we're leaving. My response would be bye, because you're not here. We lead the congregation. You don't. We have become people pleasers. Boy, let me tell you some. Brad Harab is on a roll. Uh, let me see if I can if I can get Brad Harab's latest um, latest post about this, and I'll I'll read it here. Bear with me. Of course, you know my computer's going to be slow. Incidentally, I received some money to buy a computer, so uh, that'll be that'll be something I'm doing in the not too distant future. Brad Harab. All right, let me see here. Yeah, I'm going to read this. The church in America will continue to decline until elders, preachers, and church leaders realize that the consumer model does not work and is not what God intended. It is not about what programs the church can offer a visiting family. It is about being a real church family that desperately wants to care for one another and reach out to the lost. Rather than worrying about the quote-unquote numbers, which we proudly display in bulletins and on attendance boards and quote-unquote programs, congregations need to focus on the spiritual health of their members and reaching out to the lost. We need to invest time and energy into building stronger Christian families who are equipped for spiritual battle. We have a bunch of "quote unquote" big congregations that are spiritually sick or dying, but as long as the calendar is full and the numbers are there, no changes are made. Are you? Are you on a cruise ship or are you on a battleship? And uh, yeah, Brandon says he's definitely been on a roll. So yeah, and, and I've I've spoken about that in the past. We've spent so much time tending a flock that is full of goats because at a distance it looks like a healthy flock of sheep, that we've stopped tending the flock of sheep that are God's people. We need to be real with this, my brethren. We need to be real with it. Study the book of Colossians. The world is telling you you need Christianity plus cultural Marxism. Jesus says, I'm all you need. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Folks, that's all I've got. Just focus on the cross. Focus on Christ. Don't worry about this social justice mess. Don't worry about this cultural Marxism. And um, let men be men. Let women be women. Let men do traditional man things. Let women do traditional women things. And that'll be it. Uh, Folks, I got to get off here. This has been Tony Brewer with Cogitations. I hope you go to that link, and I hope you buy a shirt, and, if, and, and hope, get, get some and give them away as gifts, and if you got any, if you got any ideas, uh, shoot them my way. I'd love to hear it. Go to Cogitations and follow Cogitations on Facebook, and uh, share the link to, the, to buying the shirt on your, on your Facebook page. That would be great, and it'll really help me out, and you'll get something in return, and uh, that's all I've got here. God bless you. This has been Tony Birth Cogitations. And we'll catch you on the flip side.